bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, my guest is Patrick Cornier. Patrick is the Chief Evangelist at Pecan. He hosts a weekly podcast called Be More about how everyone can thrive in the new world of work. He's held past leadership roles with Virgin America and Starbucks. I first met Patrick at a Chief Learning Officer conference, I think it was 12 years ago. Then we connected on LinkedIn, and I was honored to be a guest on his podcast show last year. Today's topics, I'm so passionate about them, and I know that Patrick is as well. We're going to discuss empowering managers and leaders so that they can be the best that they can be. We'll also address changing needs of the workforce, highlighting overall wellness, wellness both physical and mental health, and DE&I. Patrick has recently conducted some research that shows that these are the topics that are top of mind of our employees. And we'll also touch on creating an engaging work environment where people feel free to bring their whole selves to work. Again, something I know we're both passionate about. Welcome, Patrick. Ayanna, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, It's a pleasure and I'm excited for the conversation today. Me too. But before we get into the topics, can you share a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today with our audience? Sure. Uh, So for the past seven years, I've been in senior leadership roles within people and learning. I'm quite passionate about the employee experience and empowering every employee to have an amazing opportunity and experience at work. My primary background is actually in the airline industry. I worked for uh, multiple airlines, Uh, started my career at Starbucks Coffee Company in the early 2000s in leadership. I learned a lot about foundational leadership and how to um, connect employees with an organization and a larger strategy. I've been very interested in starting companies and growing companies, uh, which led me to Pecan. I've been here for about five years. This role has been an incredible opportunity to not only grow a company from the ground up. When I joined Pecan, there were about 15 employees. Now we're about 270 and now part of the Workday family. And so I've had this incredible, unique opportunity to not only do that internally at my company, be part of the growth and development process of the organization, but also to directly work with hundreds of companies around the world uh, on their strategy and process around employee experience. Wow, it sounds like my ideal job. Love love what you get to do. But tell us about this title, Chief Evangelist, and how did you get that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, uh, I've had a couple of different executive roles here at Pecan. I originally was brought on to build and lead the customer experience, and then I was Chief Operating Officer for a while. And about two years ago, uh, the CEO and I uh, sat down and were chatting about how we could bring the voice of of our organization from from many different aspects, from the product perspective to thought leadership, uh, to helping our customers uh, and helping to drive creative thought around 
what our product brought to companies, but beyond that, how we could help organizations really think about structuring their engagement and experience strategy for the future. Um, it's quite an important uh, perspective to bring to the world. And so we decided to make it uh, a very high level role at the organization and chief evangelist was born. We did some research on chief evangelist and there aren't very many of them out there, but some of the best product companies have had chief evangelists. And so we thought, let's take that perspective and make it a bit unique to our company and incorporate some different aspects to it, which is where we incorporated some of the customer side uh, and some of the more external thought leadership side. And the role of chief evangelist was born. So that is what I've been doing for the past two years. And in a nutshell, Diana, I get to speak a lot about what I'm passionate about, which is employee experience, engagement, not only from a product perspective, but from an experience perspective as well. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I tell you, I think the best leaders I've had a chance to work with, I would say they're chief evangelists too. They care about the employee experience and it's just who they are. That comes through in everything that you say and do. So let's let's turn a little bit to networking because I think it's so cool when you get a chance to network with people and then you can help them and they can help you. And that's definitely what's happened between us. So maybe you could share a little bit about your perspective as far as is, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone and building your network, because that's something I'm constantly coaching the people I work with. And and we're sending that message to this audience that's listening today as well. I could not agree with you more how important network is. We met in a very, very unique and and interesting way. Uh, To put some more context around how we met, I was one of probably... 2000 people that was in an audience listening to you give a keynote presentation at this chief learning officer conference, like you said, probably 12 or 13 years ago. And one of the reasons why I went to that conference was to be able to meet people that were passionate, forward thinking, and had a unique story to tell about their experience with learning and development. And I remember seeing you on the stage and you were speaking about your experience at McDonald's and I was incredibly impressed with your passion around the work that you had done and also the work that you were planning on doing in the future. So going to that conference 13 years ago, really there are multiple people that I am still connected with today that we still talk about ideas and thoughts and challenges that we have and mistakes that we've made along the way. And that is all because I was open to creating and expanding my network beyond what I thought it would be. So as you said, fast forward to 12 years later, here we are on each other's podcasts. And it was all because I went to that conference that day, 13 years ago. Now, I cannot think about one negative aspect that has ever occurred to expanding my network and reaching out to people that I do not know, that I find some sort of interest in what they're saying, or on the flip side of it, people that have reached out to me to connect and ask questions or thoughts or or just to, to share perspectives on. 
many people say, oh, well, not my favorite thing to be on social media. And, and I'm not very honestly, I, I'm not super uh, connected with social media, but platforms like LinkedIn and, and that are, are designed to connect people, they really have been very influential in making interesting connections. And I think about connections that I made 10, 12, 15 years ago that still impact and influence not only me as a person today, but have also directly impacted my career progression, my career opportunities, and have provided me a broader spectrum in not only the industry that I'm directly working in, but also many parallel industries that I never would have had insight in if I had not reached out to these extended networks. So to your point, Diana, there is only positive, in my opinion, to strengthening your network and being proactive in your network. Don't wait for people to reach out to you. Reach out to people because that one connection could make all the difference in the world to you in a day or in a decade. Wow. Nicely said. And you never know how your paths will cross with someone or how somebody can help you or you can help them. And I've seen that over and over again. And one of the things I love, you know, just talent champions, whether it's HR people or learning and development people, um, they're so willing to share because I think about keys to my success in my career. One of them right at the top is having a strong network. I had people who I could call at any time in other, like you said, other industries when I had challenges and I'll just say, you know, what are you thinking? And just to be thought leaders with you or to share ideas and things that they had seen work and things they had seen that didn't work. I just feel like those people, not only were they there for me, they've become great friends, but this feeling that people want you to succeed and are willing to help you is just definitely a true thing that exists. So I'd encourage people if you're going to a network meeting, and I was just talking to somebody two weeks ago, and she's like, I have to do this virtual one, and I'm nervous about it. And I'm like, just reach out and talk to people. It might be uncomfortable, but you will get so much back, and other people are feeling the same way. So you could be the person that breaks the ice that goes up and talks to somebody or like you comes up and talks to this presenter who in her mind is still trying to figure out her role and and what needs to happen. And just to have some great conversations with people like you and to appreciate the sharing really can help a person uh, continue to grow and to stay on a a path of uh, learning and development and winning for their organization. Agreed. So let's talk about, you know, uh, leadership a little bit and, and the managers out there. We know a lot has happened in the last year and our managers and frontline leaders have a lot of responsibilities placed on their shoulders, uh, especially as we said this last year. So what do you think are some of the most significant areas of need for leaders and managers? I would say the role of the leader, because it's not just people managers within business. I think that leaders, individual contributors that are leaders within organizations are also uh, feeling challenges and expectations that they never have before. But to talk specifically about the people leaders within organizations, I feel the expectations of people manager in business has jumped forward significantly in the past 18 months. Um, With obviously the 
the way how the world has evolved and the fact that there has just naturally been a disconnection within organizations with people just physically in environments um, has put a lot of challenge and stresses and expectations, but also a lot of amazing opportunities for people, managers, people, leaders uh, in the workforce today. Where I feel that the most evolution has happened is the expectation that a manager is staying connected, checking in with employees, building stronger individual relationships with employees that have been out of the office and working remotely or working um, in alternate workspaces for over a year now in, in many locations around the world. And connecting, keeping those employees connected with not only their leader or the, speaking from the perspective of, of a people leader, but being connected to their peers on their team and to the organization as a whole. And a lot of those expectations for all of those um, aspects have been put on and passed on in some ways to frontline managers. So I feel that managers have had to adapt and evolve very quickly to being more effective people leaders uh, as opposed to maybe operational leaders that they, they may have been in the past. And with that, I think has come some challenges for many leaders where we start talking about wellness and well-being and the the stresses and challenges that employees have had to to face over the past year year and a half have been significant and so much more than we've ever experienced in our careers and so how managers handle that and beyond handling it feel confident in all of these aspects that they have to be now i think that is where managers can struggle a bit and where we can really support those people leaders and those people managers in being the people leader today that is probably much more enhanced than the people leader that they were 18 months ago. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I know the people I've been coaching, the leaders, when we went into this pandemic, and even still now, we're concerned about how do I stay connected mm -hmm. with my employees now that I don't get to see them. Like you said, they really had to step it up to connect even more and find ways to be personable. It can't just be one more meeting that's a Zoom meeting. It's It's got to be how do I connect with this person on a personal level. For some, they've really succeeded. For others, it's it's still a struggle. And I was just talking to one leader I was coaching last week, and he has been with this company for just over a year, and he's never been to the workplace. He's never met his boss or his peers. 
uh, face to face. And now they're grooming him to be a leader. And he's like, you know, it's challenging just to be an employee. Now I have to learn to lead. And I do think this is bringing out some creativity that people have within them. And they really need to figure out how do they connect with people, um, not only as an employee, but as you said, as a leader. So I think we'll see a lot of growth. And when I talk to some of my talent champion leaders and HR leaders, they're seeing some leaders really step up, especially the younger leaders that have already figured out how to connect through technology and social media. I I agree. And I think that is where when there are times of challenges, there is also times of great opportunity. And uh, we've seen, as you said, so many leaders stepping up to being able to to grow. And the, the organizations that have had the biggest success here, I believe, are the ones that are creating a safe space for leaders to say, I'm not 100% comfortable with this. I'm, I'm challenged with in this area. I, I don't really know how to speak about mental well-being with my team. I need help with this. And creating that environment in an organization for leaders to reach out for help, to empower them in not having to know everything, really meaningfully helping them every step of the way, I think that is where the the key organizations that are succeeding are, are focusing on this area, creating safe spaces for people leaders to say, I, I, I need help here, and to empower them w- with growth. Yeah, definitely. You've seen the role of a leader expand as as we've mentioned a little bit about wellness, both physically and mentally, and and we'll get into creating the best uh, inclusive environment. But maybe let's turn to some of the research that you have recently conducted, because as I was reading through the preview copy that I was fortunate to receive from you, I kept saying, wow, this is right on the money ex- as far as what I'm hearing from the leaders that I'm coaching and the people I'm interacting with. So maybe you could give a little bit of an overview to our audience of the study. Absolutely. So uh, we have the most recent uh, employee expectations report from PECON, which is actually our second annual report. And it is completely focused on what employees around the world are not only talking about, but also what they're expecting from their employers in 2021. And it's quite fascinating to see the amount of comments, conversations, and perspective that employees have around topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, as you said, well-being, flexible working is a key part, right? Because this is the new world of of where we're at in the world of work, which is around flexible working, Uh, and career growth. Critically important right now is career growth. So this report is taking a look into all of that voice of employees from around the world and uh, and sharing what our perspective is uh, from taking a look at that data to not only review what employees are talking about, but what they're expecting from their employers uh, through 2021. Yeah. And you mentioned it around the world. And these aren't just your employees peaked on. It's actually a bunch of other companies, right? It is. It is. And the analysis combines nearly 
30 million uh, employee survey comments from employees in 140 countries and hundreds of thousands of employees around the world. And It's really enlightening, as you said, because it's not typical things that would have come up in the past. I remember, you know, stress and people, definitely career growth, but I don't remember seeing mental and physical well-being on, you know, the top of mind for our employees. And, and I think that's a critical thing for leaders to know and then to reach out and understand how can they help their employees, you know, since the role is broadened. You're right. And the, the amount of expectations around flexible working. I mean, all of the organizations around the world right now are, are thinking about how they move into the future. And now that lockdowns are ending and offices are starting to reopen, there are very clear expectations from employees that the flexibility that they have experienced over the past 18 months has become uh, an expectation and how organizations work that in to their future of work is going to be critically important for all of us to think about uh, as we build the future. And the other quick point on that, Diana, is I truly believe employees uh, really want to be a part of building that foundation of what the future of work is going to look like. Um, and if you think 10 back 10 years ago, classically, it's been the expectation of executive level leadership or HR to be making the decisions for future of work. The past 18 months, we've been so detached from our physical workplaces, but I really believe in so many ways, employees have never been more connected to their organizations and have never been more passionate about being a part of what the future looks like. I, I do believe that employees are are going to expect from their employers that they are able to be a part of building what the future is going to look like as we return to work. I have to challenge a little bit on that one. Sure. I think great organizations are good organizations. The employees feel like that. I always feel like employees have so much to say, but I get concerned when leaders aren't truly listening or creating an environment where employees can speak up. Because if I don't feel like I can speak up and you care what I say, then I stop doing it. And one of the things I've seen as I've talked to some uh, key HR leaders too is turnover is starting to go up because people at home working remotely have access to, whether it's LinkedIn or all of these online recruitment sources where they're keeping their eyes open too, especially if they're feeling like they have to come back to work and they don't have a choice. So I think that's a critical thing for our HR leaders and our talent leaders and our leaders just in general to be thinking about is creating the conversations. And I cannot agree more with you when you say you've got to work the solutions out with your employees. Because if you come in, you say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You're going to be in the office four days a week and blah, blah, blah. And they don't feel like they have a part of it. You're you're creating even more of a disconnect. I 100% agree with you on that. And I also believe that the war for talent, we've heard this term a lot, right? The war for talent. I think people thought that... Um, Employees would stay with organizations because th there was so much uncertainty in the world over the past 18 months. But honestly, I think that it's 
going to become and is becoming, to your point, a competitive marketplace for top talent within organizations. I was reading our statistic recently that said within the next three years, roughly 70% of the workforce was going to be the younger generations in the workforce. And attached to that finding was that, and we have actually seen this as well in in previous PECON data reports, is that uh, the expectations of younger generations in the workforce are very real when it comes to being a part of the process, as you said, and being part of the decision process and building for the future. So organizations need to start thinking today about how they incorporate employees' voice into their employee value proposition because the most competitive organizations in two years, let's say, it really needs to be now, but in two years are going to be the ones that make the connection between every employee and the decisions and the future of the business uh, because that that is going to be the expectation. And, and quite frankly, it is the expectation now of employees. So uh, I, I agree with you. The talent can very quickly leave if they don't feel that they are a part of the the organizational process. Wow. I think that is such a powerful statement. What you said is the companies that I think they're succeeding now, but even more in the future, going to be successful are the ones that can incorporate the employee's voice into the employee value proposition. And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, especially with some of the factors of the world has shifted and we just can't shift back. The employees Mm-mm. and people aren't going to allow us to do that. And with so many of the younger generation coming up, and we know it's important for them, and we know their loyalty to a company isn't as strong as maybe ours was or our parents mm-hmm. or you know past generations. So yeah, these leaders are really going to have to step it up if they want to be the most successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's turn a little bit, because I know it can be challenging, to this topic of mental health. And what do you see as a leader's role when it comes to supporting an individual's mental health needs? This is an interesting one because wellness and health in general uh, is absolutely a conversation point now in business than more than it ever has been. And I think that is amazing. Um I believe that frontline leaders need to feel comfortable having these individual conversations with employees, even as recent as a year and a half ago. Well-being and health within an organization has been the responsibility of HR. Uh, an employee goes to a manager and says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having some challenges in this area. The first thing that a, a leader would do is call HR, right? Because they need support could be a uncomfortable, unfamiliar conversation. And I, I truly believe that managers want to, to do the best for their employees. And so reaching out for help has always kind of been the first step, which is amazing. And and I still think needs to be the first step, but I believe that organizations are now focused on being more proactive 
with getting knowledge out to frontline leaders and helping them feel confident and comfortable just having a conversation with an employee uh, and not avoiding the conversation. And that proactivity, I believe, is really what has changed or shifted a manager's ability and confidence to be able to have these initial conversations and to create these safe and comfortable environments for employees to have a conversation, to share how they're feeling, to uh, have it be part of the everyday or every meeting conversation. And I'll put some specifics around that. So I, I was talking to a couple of colleagues of mine um, that are leaders at, at other organizations that I've worked with in my career. And in their one-on-one conversations, but also in their team conversations, I'll start specifically with the one-on-one conversations. They're starting conversations with, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you uh, of adapting to where we're at when it comes to the work environment or maybe expectations or communication or whatever it may be because there are so much changing in business. Leaders are starting conversations with trying to understand feelings and emotions with their employees, as opposed to the first part of a conversation being, okay, let's run through the project list or the deliverables for this week or whatever it may be. Putting the priority on the personal side, as opposed to the tactical or the operation side, I think that's been a significant shift. There's always been leaders that have done that, but I think more leaders are more comfortable with starting conversations from that perspective. The second thing is, is that I believe that HR is, is being much, much more proactive and many organizations, as I said, with getting knowledge out around mental well-being and investing in more programs for employees around mental well-being. Uh, and that investment in not only time, but financial investment that organizations are putting in, I feel that that is creating uh, more confidence in employees in their organizations of saying, you know what, my company really does care about my mental health, my mental well-being, and it's okay if I struggle a bit and I, I don't feel that there are going to be repercussions based off of that, or I feel more confident to, and comfortable to talk about that. All of these uh, focus areas from the organizational level to support employees from the organizational level to support managers, to feel more confident. I feel that all of that has increased significantly and is just going to continue to increase because we've seen that companies that focus in this area and focus on um, on empowering employees to, to talk and to, to, to really concentrate on their well-being, physical well-being, mental well-being are the ones that are succeeding. I personally think that focus is just going to continue to grow. And conversely, the benefits of that focus are going to continue to grow for organizations because employees are are just going to feel more and more confident to focus on this area of wellness, which is so critical for their own individual health. 
I love the way you said that as far as getting leaders to ask their employees, how are you feeling and connect Mm -hmm. with them outside of the work. And I think leaders are trying to do that as far as, you know, tell me about your family or what's important to you and your hobbies. But I think when it gets to how are you feeling, we still have some work to do to help our our leaders feel comfortable uh, to bring that, that topic up. And like you said, it could be the initial conversation. And I think HR is really trying to help their leaders know where they can go for resources mm-hmm. if the, the conversation needs to go deeper. But I think not shying away from it. And like you said, creating this safe environment. And you mentioned for frontline workers or frontline leaders, but I think this is at all levels. I was recently yeah. talking to a CEO and he was talking about one of his key leaders was struggling because she was a single mom and had these children at home doing schoolwork and she felt like there was a time where she just had to get off an important call because she needed to help her daughter uh, get online and get ready for this important test and the CEO said that's the most important thing you need to do and his way of handling it in front of other key leaders with her got him huge compassionate points as far as putting his employee Mm -hmm. first and how he talked about you know later with her I'm so glad that you felt comfortable to ask me if it was okay that you needed to jump off you know I think the world is changing and to that point Diana I would encourage every leader that's listening to this episode is to be vulnerable in your conversations as well that's another aspect that I think has advanced so much is that leaders are also much more open in those individual conversations with their team and saying, you know, I'm having a tough time with this, or I'm struggling with this, or uh, having transparency and vulnerability has never been more important and never been seen as more of a strength than it is today. Like I I tell leaders this all the time, being vulnerable and being incredibly transparent is not a weakness. It is absolutely a strength right now. And I think we've we've turned a significant corner there um, where in the past, especially in senior leadership, vulnerability maybe has been seen in a negative light. I think it has significantly changed and will only be seen as a continued strength. I think that is such an excellent point as far as vulnerability is now a strength. And I know we talked about in the podcast we did together, and we'll make sure we put a link about being a resident leader, somebody that really resonates with people and they want you, um, they want to engage with you and they want to follow you is really about being authentic and vulnerable and, and showing your true self. So let's talk maybe a little bit about that type of leader and how do we create that kind of leadership. So there there's a lot going on in regards to, you know, awareness of uh, diversity and equity and inclusion. And maybe from your point of view, um, how, how do you become more of this inclusive leader that creates the safe and comfortable environment for your employees? The world of diversity, equity, and inclusion has just advanced so much, and I'm incredibly uh inspired by it. I believe that empowering every employee to 
have their voice heard and creating an environment where employees can bring their full self to work is and has been a passion of mine. And Diane, I know it's it's a passion of yours as well, because when people feel that they can be themselves, whoever and whatever that is, uh, that is naturally creating a more effective environment, not only for a company, but more importantly, for a person to feel that they are accepted and comfortable for who they are. So I, I really believe that leaders that are focused on empowering every individual on their team to feel comfortable, it's creating an environment that is accepting of every single person on your team, how they want to bring themselves to work. I believe that organizations play a very big part in supporting this from a process and program. It's not enough just to be talking about it. I think that there really does need to be meaningful action that is taken by every leader in an organization to create this environment. It's not just the responsibility of, of um, senior level leadership or of HR. If you notice, there's a common theme in what we're talking about, which is uh, leaders now at organizations, they have the opportunity to really create what the experience is for employees. And that is an amazing place because um, as organizations grow, that is what creates the opportunity for more consistency, more availability, just a, a better environment is when everybody at organizations are taking responsibility. And it goes just beyond the manager as well. I believe every employee has the responsibility of creating an inclusive workspace. It's not just the responsibility of leaders as well. Everyone is responsible for creating that safe environment, that supportive environment for their peers. So I think focusing on everybody's expectation at a business in an organization is to support and create the environment that they want to work in with their, with their fellow teammates or with their fellow employees. So uh, I think if we all keep focusing on creating the environment that we all want to be in, uh, I, I believe that's where the success will, will come in, particularly around creating um, inclusive environments. I so agree. And I think this point you brought up again is asking employees, you know, how can we create the most accepting environment? Because I really believe that leaders want to do this. I think organizations have figured out they have to do this, but they don't know how. And so, Mm -hmm. like you said, what can you do to create this most comfortable, safe environment are small things that, you know, you may not even be aware of. So this whole concept of unconscious biases, and we all have them, but they can be pointed out to us and we can get coaching and feedback by having that that open dialogue. I, I remember when I was running uh, Hamburg University for McDonald's, um, their global uh, training center, and we hired this one very talented individual. And I remember just feeling so honored that we got him, you know, in our department compared to these other departments. And soon after he started, and I walked by his desk, and I saw a picture of him and his partner. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, that's a picture of uh, you and Craig. And he said, I have to tell you, Diana, this is the first time in 20 some years, I felt comfortable putting this picture out. 
And I remember getting teared up and feeling so internally like, oh my gosh, no one should feel like they can't be celebrated and bring their family to work. And it brought back a lot of feelings as a young mom when I had two children under five and I was a new executive, I wouldn't put my family picture out because I knew that there were people, or in my mind, there were people that would criticize or say she can't continue to advance as a leader because look at this family she's got to you know, be involved in. And so I love that the world has shifted. Uh, I still think we have to be even more inclusive and we're doing things that we don't even realize are um, preventing people from feeling like they can bring their whole self. And I remember one of our key leaders in diversity saying, when you can bring your whole self to work, there's no stopping your productivity mm-hmm. and your potential. And I, it is so true. You don't have to think about what you're saying. You don't have to put these shields or barriers up. I don't know. I dream of a world that there's you know, no barriers and everybody can be themselves. So, mm-hmm. and, and this newer generation is going to help us get there. I know it. They already are. Yeah, I agree. So we've talked a lot about just positive things that leaders can do. Is there anything else that you would share that you're personally doing with your team to create the most positive environment? I switched my concept around one-on-ones with my team. And I actually asked my team, do you want to continue doing one-on-ones on a weekly basis? Uh, And and they said, yes, they do. Uh, But we split our one-on-ones. So instead of having an hour-long one-on-one, We have 30 minutes on Mondays and we have 30 minutes on Fridays. And the meetings on Mondays are very uh, project oriented as far as what we're trying to accomplish in the week. And the meetings on Fridays are just to celebrate wins. We do not talk about projects. We don't talk about any deliverables. We just say, what made you feel really great this week? And not only does the the teammate on my team share what what they feel were their wins or or where they felt success. But I also share uh, maybe something that I felt really good about in the week. And I never used to do that in the past. We, we would do that in one-on-ones a little bit, but we never had a meeting that was just specifically focused on what made you feel great this week. And uh, the team loves it. And I love it, to be very honest with you. We do it on Fridays. It's a great way to end the week. I feel great. It ends the week on a positive note. And uh, it's it's just one way to focus on the personal connection uh, beyond business, beyond deliverables, beyond projects, uh, and just to share one-on-one with each other what made us feel really good in the week. So that's one suggestion that I think Uh, has worked really well for me over the past year, and I will definitely continue doing it. Awesome. That's that's a terrific practice and best practice that hopefully our listeners are writing that down and and going to to try it out. So um, are there resources that you would recommend for our Talent Champion listeners who want to go deeper in some of these topics, whether it's, you know, DEI or mental and physical wellness, based on, you know, what we've been talking about and what came up in your recent research, are there some top of mind resources you would recommend? Absolutely. Uh, So there is a thought leader in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space. Her name is Lily Zhang, and she's written two books. Uh, that I love. One is called The Ethical Sellout, Maintaining Your Integrity uh, in the Age of Compromise, which is an excellent book. And then she also has another book on gender ambiguity in the workplace, which was quite interesting. 
another book that I can suggest is a book called um, uh, Demanding More, which is by Sheree Etchinson. Uh, and she's also a thought leader. She was the global director of diversity, equity, inclusion here at PECON. Um, and it's an excellent book was just released. So I, I suggest that. And as far as the reports go, the the most recent employee expectations report that I was referencing uh, and, and many other reports that, that are thought leadership reports uh, based on, as you said, a global data set um, are available at PECON. Uh, and if you're interested in taking a look at those, they're available to the public. Uh, and that's just at pecon.com forward slash heartbeat. We call them our heartbeat reports. And there's numerous reports on there um, that are available to the public. So I think those are some good resources to think about employee expectations around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and wellness as well. So hopefully those will be helpful to your audience. Great. And we'll make sure that we include the the links with this podcast. And I'm definitely going to be looking into both of those books. So thanks for sharing. Great. So, um, Patrick, who is one person from your past who's had the greatest influence on your career to date? And maybe you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's impact and influence. Absolutely. One of my leaders, her name is Deborah McHuston. Uh, she was my leader at Virgin America. And um She's amazing, and uh, we have become incredibly good friends. Not only is she a peer and a mentor, uh, but she's also been a guide for me when it comes to not only my career, but also uh, my life in general. We have not worked together uh, in some years, but we are um, very, very good friends. I would say that would be probably the most influential um, in, my, in my career. Terrific. So do you have one final piece of advice for our talent champions as we close out this episode? I think to your point earlier, Diana, this concept around networking, please, I, I cannot say how important it is and how influential my network of friends, colleagues, people that I, I have never met, but they are still in my network. I gain knowledge and insight from. So to your point earlier, I, I support that 100%, but focus on expanding your network because you never know when that person in your network uh, can provide something for you or just as importantly, you can provide something for them. Terrific. Well, it's been so much fun talking to you. Every time we get on the phone and we're doing something together, it's so exciting. You are such a role model for what we discussed, you know, about really being able to help people be the best that they can be and create the most empowering work environments. So thank you for your authenticity and for continuing to help me grow and our audience and just sharing so generously. It's been so much fun. Well, it's been my pleasure, Diana. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. And thank you for continuing to share your passion with the world. Because as I said, you made an incredible impact on me 13 years ago. And here we are uh, talking. Thank you. You're so welcome. And before we end this uh, conversation, how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you? Sure. Nice and easy. My email is Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, at pecan. Dot com. Uh, so the easiest way to get in touch with me is there. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. As Diana said, 
creating that network. Uh, I'm very open to creating, continuing to grow the network. So I'd love to chat with you. But yeah, Patrick at pecan.com is the easiest. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Our number one tip from today's episode is to always be nurturing your network. Patrick and I met at a conference a dozen years ago, and that relationship has only recently borne fruit. As Patrick put it, one connection could make all the difference in the world to you in a day or a decade. The best leaders in business today are actively seeking ways to connect on a personal level with the people around them. Building stronger relationships between managers and employees, as well as colleagues on any level, is absolutely critical to long-term success. Organizations need to build safe environments so that people are comfortable to make those personal connections. This isn't just the responsibility of senior leadership or HR. We can all play a role in supporting our colleagues and creating a comfortable work environment. Patrick's most recent research has revealed the priorities of employees around the world. The most important topics are diversity and inclusion, flexible working, and career growth. As organizations are thinking about how they move into the future, they're going to face an even more competitive landscape in recruiting and retaining top talent. Focusing on these priority areas will be a key. Forward-thinking organizations are proactive in helping their employees to manage mental health challenges. What was once the purview of HR has become the responsibility of all leaders to ensure people have the resources and support they need to maintain both physical and mental wellness. Patrick encourages all talent champions to get more comfortable with being vulnerable in your conversations. Likewise, we need to make sure people are comfortable bringing their whole selves to work. When we can do that, there's no stopping our productivity and potential. Patrick shared a cool idea that he's used to create a more positive environment for his team. His one-on-one meetings with the people on his team take place at the beginning and end of each week. And the Friday meeting is focused on making personal connections and celebrating wins. Please join us next month when we will continue the conversations around relevant and engaging talent champion topics and sign up at talent-champions.com to receive bonus information from our guests and to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.